Millerville Community Church is a non-denominational country-style church with a huge heart for God. You'll find a warm, relaxed atmosphere at MCC. We love worship and music here. We are a Christ-centered church with all kinds of opportunities to reach out to the communities, both locally and abroad, and for all ages. It is our desire to direct people to the Lord Jesus Christ, the source of all life, hope, and true transformation. And now, here is a message from Sunday morning at MCC. Good morning. My name is Jay, and yours probably isn't. Um, and I know what you're thinking. Oh, man, I sure hope he plays a Christmas carol. So, so I will. So you can relax. And um, if I can get this in, in something close to tune, uh, tune uh, this is going to be my version of the Little Drummer Boy. And how many are familiar with that? Yeah, okay. Well, I hope I don't wreck it for you forever. This, it's actually a testimony song for me, and I'm not going to take the time to tell you the whole story, but um, I'll just say that I, I relate to the little guy in the story really well. And if you picture the, this little fella coming into the presence of the King of Kings, and what's he thinking? He's thinking, what, what could I possibly bring to you? My Lord and my God, my Savior and my King and my Master. Um, this is me speaking now. Every good thing in my life, without exception, has been a gift from the Lord. Would anyone else say the same? Yeah, I, I don't have a lot of dough. That might shock you. I'm a musician. <laughs> Used to be a pastor. <laughs> Sorry. But um, neither of these career choices were based on economics. That's what I'm trying to say. Having said that, I truly, truly believe I'm an extremely, extremely wealthy man. And it's totally because of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And um, yeah. So this is in gratitude. I better not say any more than that because we got to move along this morning. But this is in gratitude to the giver of all good gifts. Jesus, the anointed one, pum 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 pum.
Thanks so much. If you have a Bible with you, would you turn to Matthew 18? And if you don't have one, that's okay, because I'm going to read it to you. We'll eventually get to Matthew 18. A few things to say on the way. Thank you so much again to Mike and the worship team for leading us in ministering to the Lord. Amen. He really does inhabit the praises of his people. And... Uh, I said to him earlier, I said, you know, to you, it might be just same old, same old. And, but for a visitor coming in, you need to know the Lord is in your midst. And when you lift him up like that, <laughs> he ministers to us. Yeah? Amen? And Glenn, thank you. So, you know what? Sound guys never get any attention unless something's going dreadfully wrong. <laughs> so thank you, my friend. And Sharon and everybody, like, to looking after stuff. And Rachel, we're, um, yeah. So, Okay. <laughs> So on our way to Matthew 18, just start in Genesis, just start flipping pages and we'll get there. Um, I have to dive right in. I hope that's okay for the sake of time. Um, it's not going to be a lot of preamble, but I, I want to share with you primarily about a group of people that the Lord refers to in Matthew 25. Um, and he calls them the least of these. How many have heard of, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> this is not a complete definition and I recognize that, but for our purposes this morning, when Jesus talks about the least of these in the Gospels, he's talking about somebody who can't pay me back. Pretty simple, right? Okay, Somebody who can't pay me back, someone who can't do anything for you. And Matthew 25 is that chapter where Jesus actually says there's going to come a day in history. Now, this is for real. This is not dreamland. Jesus is saying to us, this is reality, friends, and that's why I'm telling you there is going to come a, a specific day in history when I'm going to say to you, Jay, and you can insert your name there, okay? This is, it's going to say, Jay, I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was naked. You clothed me. I was a stranger. You invited me in. I was in prison. You visited me. On and on and on and on it goes. And then the king of kings himself the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, who cannot lie, he tells us in so many words, he takes these things personally. You with me? This is where he says, I'm telling you the truth. Whatever you have done for one of the least of these, you actually, literally, for real, 
did that for me, says Jesus. Isn't that amazing? I'm just emphasizing that really strongly because there is some pretty weird teaching out there about this verse. Can I just say it again? When Jesus says that to us, he is, he's not being poetic. This is not a metaphor for something. This is God the Son saying, I'm telling you, all of heaven sees it this way. This is reality. And so therefore, Jay, you need to see it this way too. Yeah? Whatever you've done for the, one of the least of these, you actually, for real, did that for me, says Jesus. Does that sound like worship to anybody else? Sounds like a life of worship outside the walls of this beautiful sanctuary. Yeah? Whatever you did, you did it for me, says Jesus. And then there's a sobering warning as well that I have to mention. On the other side of it where Jesus says, and Jay, you need to know as well, whatever you didn't do for me that you could have done, or whatever you didn't do for one of the least of these that you could have done, you didn't do that for me. Did I say that right? A little more coffee, I'll be fine. I didn't want to keep anybody from their coffee at the break at the break time. So clearly, and it's not just Matthew 25, but that is a, a key passage where again and again and again the Lord emphasizes that when you do something for someone out of love for them, because of the love that the Lord has through you for I would I would go so far as to say this, and this is Bible, friends. This is absolutely bedrock foundational truth. If you have been born again, right? In John 3, when Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, he literally says, sired from above. And I love that. If you have been born from above or sired from above, born of the Spirit, then it is literally true that it really is the presence of the Lord in you loving someone else. Amen? And I know that I, as soon as I say that, I know there's many people in front of me right now, I just described your life. I get it. I want you to know I get it. You know, you're all about others, is what I'm trying to say. There are people here that... You're constantly looking out for somebody or somebody's, if it's a group of people. Maybe someone you're looking after. Of course, they say that, and then somebody's just thinking, yeah, but I wasn't very happy about it last Thursday. <laughs> we all have bad days. But I know there's many of you right in front of you right now. It, it, you're doing things for other people. It would never enter your, your mind or your heart that you're doing that for what you can get off the relationship. It's not about that. There's no profit motive. It's because of the presence of the Lord in you. Um, something that's been happening to me more and more frequently, I just, I just, I wanted to, I get to share in front of huge groups of people sometimes, and I, and I, I love it. Um, I really like tiny little churches in southern Ontario. If I can drive to them, that's, that's wonderful as well. But I'll be in front of a, a massive group of people sometimes where I don't know anyone. Just try to imagine, okay? Like, I don't know a soul, and all of a sudden, I'll just be feeling like, oh my goodness, I love these people, for real, right? And I'm not that nice, <laughs> not even close. And, and the Lord will remind me, I'm, t I'm telling you the truth, the Lord will remind me, Jay, it's all true, son. I really do indwell you. I'm letting you in, this is the Lord speaking to me, I'm letting you in on this much of how I feel about these people, both as a group but as in individuals. Isn't that neat? Isn't the Lord amazing? And I know that that's many, many of you have experienced that. Maybe not in, in front of a huge group of people, but maybe, maybe someone that you've never met before. You just meet them, and all of a sudden you're thinking, what is that? Does she have compassion for somebody? It's the Lord, friends. Amen? Okay, so there's this massive group of people. We've got to hurry on. Massive group of people the Lord calls the least of these, and it is a, a huge deal in the kingdom. 
In God's economy, it's a major, major thing when you and I minister to somebody who cannot pay you back, where that doesn't come into the play at all. What they can do for you is not a factor. Under this massive group of people, whom the Lord calls the least of these, there's a subcategory of people. who They are among them. They can't do anything for you. But this subcategory appears even more often, especially in the Gospels and especially from Jesus himself. Do you know who I'm talking about? Anybody? The children. Thank you. You may not have noticed it before. You will now. Next time you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you will be struck with just how many times Jesus himself talks about the kids. You're reading and you think, wow, yeah, they seem to be getting way more than their share of airtime here. <laughs> what is with that? Could it be that they figure so prominently in God's heart? And this, maybe this is why? Yes. How many are thinking of scriptures right now? What children? Yeah? Let the little children come to me. Forbid them not. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are exactly like these little kids. And then he said, to adults, he says, you adults cannot even enter. Regardless of how many degrees you have, how many letters you have after your name, even if your degrees are in theology, you cannot even enter my kingdom, says Jesus unless you personally humble yourself and become like a little child in your heart. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yeah, well, Matthew 18 is, at least a big chunk of it, is one of those passages where Jesus is specifically talking about children. We're going to look at verse 10 to verse 14. But even before we do that, I, just, I, have, to, I have to mention verse 5. Just because remember what Jesus said about the least of these in general, about those who can't, can't pay you back. Whatever you have done for one of the least of these, and all of heaven sees it this way, okay? Right from my Father's throne, says Jesus. All of the angels of he in heaven, the cloud of witnesses, all the created beings in heaven, they all recognize this truth. Whatever you've done for one of the least of these, you did it for me, says the Lord. But look what he says in Matthew 18, verse 5. He says, whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name, what is it? He welcomes me. Literally, actually, for real, welcomes me. Whoever welcomes a little child like this, who can't do anything for you, who cannot pay you back. How many want to welcome Jesus into every part of my life? Absolutely, absolutely. Isn't that amazing what he's saying? It does not make sense, especially to our Western minds, our logical reasoning, you know, of what's going to advance things. Anyway, we've got to move on. So verse 10, look what he says here. And I, I've gotta, I'm going to impress you with my Greek prowess. Are you ready? I won't call it a miracle, but it's grace that I passed two years of Greek. Um, I'm familiar with Suvlaki. Um, that's about it. I, I, do, I do know what books to go to to look things up, Okay. Verse 10 of Matthew 18 is in the imperative tense in the original language. The reason that that matters, and it does, is because this means this is actually a command. You with me? So this is Jesus. This is a command from Jesus to his disciples. How many here are disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus? Me too. And he, so this is not a suggestion. This is not a helpful hint from the Lord. He's actually commanding this, but it's, it's just an odd one. It seems to me to be an odd one. He says this. He says, see to it that you do not look down on any of these little ones. He's talking about little kids. And one of the translations is even harsher, more harsh than that. He says, see to it that you do not despise any, one, any of these little, these little ones, any of these children. Does that sound strange to anyone else? 
I mean, when I read this, I think, Lord, I think I hear, you know, help me. I think I hear what you're saying, but I like kids. Kids are okay, especially my own kids. I would not despise children. I don't think I would. Here's the thing, just, just quickly. First of all, the Lord is not talking about your kids. I'm not, I'm not making a joke. That is different. It's because you've been created in the image of God. When you have wee little children, if there's any health at all, you love them. Yes? There's not a lot you would not do for your kids. They're going to be on the top of your prayer list for life. Yeah? There's not a lot of people on the planet who could cause you more joy or more pain. And it's because they love you, because you love them so, so much. The Lord is not talking about your kid. This is profound, I know. Do you ever notice if, you, if it's your own kid has a runny nose, that's cute? I know that's deep. That's, a, that's deep. If somebody else's kid, that's, that's nasty. That's gross. Okay, so that's the first thing. He's not talking about your children, but even in 2019, where we do tend to think we're somewhat sophisticated, the Lord would say to us today, in most parts of the planet, at this moment, children are not held in high esteem at all. In most parts of the planet, right at this moment, children are being terribly exploited. I'm not going to go into detail. But if there's no profit motive, in some cases terribly abused, because if there's no profit motive from this little person, they're in the way. They're taking up perfectly good resources. That's fallen human nature speaking, but at its most wicked form, that's how it pans out. That's how it manifests. And so you're, aware, you're aware of this. But the Lord would say to us, there is that which is sacred around children. There is that which is holy in the heart of the Father that you need to be aware of because it goes far beyond what you can see with your physical eyes. And this is why <laughs> the Lord, when he gives me a command, he does not need to explain himself. Amen? He does not need to do that. And yet so many times in the Gospels, he does. And this is one of those instances. But the explanation he gives for this command is equally as strange. So first of all, he's saying, don't look down on the kids. Don't despise children. And then he, he says, and here's why. He says, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What a strange thing to say. And there's a lot of directions we could go with that this morning. I'm going to focus in on what's central, okay? So there's no conjecture on our part. We don't have to try to assume inference from the Lord. This is what he's saying clearly. He's saying, look, friends. He's saying heaven has invested everything in these kids, these little kids who can't do anything for you. And, and, and again, think about it. A little kid is not likely to introduce you to influential people. They're not going to get you a promotion at work. They're not going to add to your bank. They're, they're going to drain your bank account. <laughs> That's their calling, and they fulfill it so well. But the Lord says, don't look down on the kids. Here's why. And by the way, this is going to sound, what he says is going to sound so strange to our ears. Can you remember with me? Can you remember who's speaking? It's Jesus himself. There's a reason he says it, because we need to hear it. And he says, I'm telling you, heaven has invested everything in these kids who can't do anything for you to the point that they have been assigned actual created heavenly beings. Elsewhere in the scripture, they're called the, the holy angels or the elect angels. Angels, Hebrews chapter 1 says, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? That's in Hebrews 1 if you're writing things down. He makes his angels, winds, his servants, flames of fire. Amen, amen, amen. And Jesus is saying, 
Most of you, most of the time, will not be aware of these, these angels around these little kids, at least at this point in history. Most of you, most of the time, will not see them with your physical eyes, and that's precisely why I'm telling you, says Jesus, they are there. For real. For real. Don't mess with the kids. There's far go more going on. There's that which is sacred in the heart of the Father around children. And in fact, several of the first verses of this chapter are an extremely sobering warning against harming children. And that's from the heart of God. That's not our legal system or something. No, that's from, from the heart of the Father. You do not harm children. You do not lead them into sin. Even if it's politically correct to do so, you do not lead children into sin without answering to God for that, says the Lord. This is Matthew 18. I've got to move on from there. Okay, so don't look down on the children. There's way more going on that you can see with your physical eyes. There's that which is sacred around a child. There's that which is holy. And then he goes on, and he hasn't changed the subject. No, he has not. He's still talking about children, at least in Matthew 18, when he says this. He says, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. He's talking about little kids. Amen, amen, amen. How many have heard of D.L. Moody? Do you recognize the name D.L. Moody? Some of you? I have quite a list of, of heroes. Uh, D.L. Moody's on the list for sure. Uh, he was just a great, great brother in the Lord, a great man of God, an evangelist. He lived in the 1800s, died in 1899, so he's in heaven, and we're going to meet him there. For real. I love this. I love this. I want you to consider something. One man named D.L. Moody in the 1800s, so way before the media we have now, way before the travel we have now, this one man, during his lifetime, he personally led tens of thousands of people to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just let that percolate. One guy. How many know you can't do that? What I'm trying to say is that is supernatural. This is what Jesus was talking about in John 15, about the, when he says, I am the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing that is eternal fruit, right? He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit. When the King of kings and Lord of lords, the creator of all, talks about much, I think we can assume he means a lot. Really a lot. When he talks about fruit that will last I think we can assume he means a long time. He is the Alpha and Omega. So can we safely assume he's talking about that which is eternal, right? Leading tens of thousands of people to, to faith in, in Jesus during your lifetime, that is supernatural. That comes from abiding in him. Yeah? I always think of Mary of Bethany sitting at his feet, looking up into his face, just loving him, just receiving from the Lord. Martha, Martha. You're anxious. You're bent out of shape about so many things. Mary's found the better part. It won't be taken from her. And ironically, I guarantee it's from that posture that the supernatural fruit comes out of my life. Not straining to be fruitful. That's not the message this morning. Got to move on. It's a good word there, though. I'm a guest here. You should really humor me. 
So D.L. Moody has led, I don't know how many thousand, at least tens of thousands of people to the Lord in his lifetime. And yet, before he went home to heaven, okay, true story, he made this statement. He says, if I could relive my life, I would devote my entire ministry to reaching children for God. Let me try this side over here. If I could relive my life, okay, so says a man who's led tens of thousands to Jesus, and he says, if I could do it again, not to negate any of the amazing things that the Lord did through my life, says D.L. Moody, but if I could do it again, I would devote my entire ministry 100% to reaching children for God. See, he, he had seen with his own eyes again and again and again the incredible impact that it has on families and communities and ultimately on nations when children come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, um, all that to say, it is a tremendous honor to be with you this morning. What a beautiful drive and, and just a, the welcome I've received. Thank you so much. Bless you, bless you, bless you. And to be representing the ministry of compassion. Well, primarily, I hope I'm representing the Lord and his heart, but also some of his friends who happen to work for Compassion Canada. I'm not an employee of Compassion like my dear friend John, by the way, so I can say whatever I want. Um, I love these people more than I can tell you. In my opinion, they are doing what D.L. Moody said he wished he would have done. Yeah? Absolutely pouring their lives out. I'm talking about in the field, wherever they minister around the planet, pouring their lives out for the children. But friends, when you see what the Lord is doing as a result of this, it is absolutely off the scale. If there's a meter for these kinds of things, it just busted the meter because of the, the faithfulness of God and his favor on this. And in our remaining time this morning, I want to share with you a little bit about that. Um, of all the things I could say about compassion, there are really there are two distinctives that I want to emphasize this morning here. And the first is by far the most important thing I could tell you about them, and that is their absolute commitment to evangelism and discipleship. Okay? That is number one. That is the calling of the Lord on this organization. Yeah? And just to put this in perspective, I, I sure hope you saw the pictures out here in your foyer um, of the children waiting to be sponsored. And, and as you know, those are pictures of children who really are at this moment waiting to be sponsored just, just based on statistics. So just based on the numbers of what's happened through this ministry up until right now, right now, Okay? I can tell you with absolute confidence that the vast, vast majority of those children whose, whose pictures are on those tables right now, once they are sponsored, they will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> this is missions, man. This is Think of the implications of what I just said. Think about this. These children... Are, at least the vast majority of them, are going to come to know Jesus Christ. They're going to be discipled in a local church. They're going to grow, and we're going to see those kids in heaven. For real. Yeah, that was the big thing I wanted to share. So you can go. See ya. Um, the, the, the second distinctive that I have, my, my wife Sandy and I have been so impacted by this. If I, I was a pastor. I was a senior pastor for nine years. So I get really jazzed about this one. If you don't, that's okay. And I mean it. But it's their commitment to the local church. And that also is part of the calling of God on this ministry, okay? Lots of great ministries. This, is, this one specifically, this is one of the things that, to me, makes them stand out. In the field, compassion only works through the local church. That's part of God's calling for this group, okay? And the way that I usually describe this to people is if you can imagine with me a struggling pastor 
in a third world or, or, or a developing nation. Okay? And he's, got, he's got hopes and dreams for his community. He's got vision from the Lord. He wants to see God move there. He wants to see lots and lots of people come to know Jesus, right? Same as you do here. Except in his case, maybe he can barely provide for his own family. I don't have time to unpack that, but you can just you can imagine how that takes up all the resources, emotionally and time and everything, right? That pastor, I want you to get this, that pastor partners with compassion. Within a few short years, his church is three times the size that it was. And I still have trouble getting my head around this, and they keep telling me, Jay, that's actually about average. It's about average. And I, and I, I you know, I was told this a, f- a few years ago, and I keep checking up. Are you sure that's correct? And they said, Jay, that's average. In some cases, it's much higher than that. Within three, maybe four years, 300% growth. Imagine this church. I try to imagine my home church, which I love, super supportive. They'll be praying for you today, okay? I can't imagine even what it would look like if three years from today, that church were three times the size that it is today. But listen, I didn't even get to the best part. That 300% growth, that's conversion growth. Hello? Have you ever heard of anything like this? See, what's happening is most of these children are going to come to know the Lord. And then not always, not always, but in so many instances, the whole family comes to know Jesus. And churches are exploding with new believers. What an amazing problem to have. Yeah? Isn't that cool? I have to tell you something that happened. My wife Sandy and I, we got to, we got to go to the Dominican Republic to visit one of our sponsored kids. And uh, his name is Jordani, great little guy. We spent hours with him at the church where everything's going on. But then, then we, we got to walk with Jordani and a translator and a photographer and a videographer back to Jordani's home. And we met his mom and his sisters. And what's really wonderful, some of you will understand, uh, his dad. And then, um, I, can't, I can't tell you a lot of stories, but in the poorer parts of the Dominican, you understand that it, it's really common once children come along for, for dad to leave. It's part of what they call their macho culture. It is not cool, and it's not a joke. Happily, dad's still there. So yay, that's great. But here's the thing. Here's, I, had to, I have to cut to the bottom line. Sandy and I got to pray with mommy and daddy for them to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Isn't God amazing? Isn't he just amazing, just phenomenal? So now, not just Jordani and his sisters, but his mom and dad have come to know Jesus. They're being discipled in their local, local church. They're growing in their walk with God. And friends, we will be with them in heaven. So now we're, oh man, <laughs> can't look at that picture too much without filling up. This is true. This is reality of what's going on all over the planet. And I think that was a big part of why the Lord wanted us there. I, I just, can I just say this? There was no persuasion. This wasn't like a really difficult leading someone to Jesus. This was like I walked under a tree, a piece of fruit fell in my hand. Honestly, my biggest concern, I, I'm, am I serious? The biggest concern on my, my heart was I didn't want to put any pressure on these dear, dear people. And so the translator, I'm saying that, look, we love you guys, no matter what, it's okay. And they're like, no, we want Jesus now. So I got down on their floor, knelt down on their floor, and we, we held hands. And we, we did pray through some, some scriptures together, you know, about believing in confession and repentance and receiving. But it was, like, it was like Lydia. Sandy and I both thought of this. In Acts 16, there's this woman called Lydia. And it says, the Lord opened Lydia's heart to receive Paul's message so that she could believe. Isn't that cool? This was like that. The Lord had opened the hearts of these dear, dear people long before Jay and Sandy showed up. That's what I'm trying to say, okay? 
I believe the Lord wanted Jay and Sandy there, both to encourage us, which you can imagine it, it has done, but also so we could see with our own eyes what's going on through this ministry all over the planet. Back, back to that hypothetical pastor in the, the third world. or you know, His church is now three times the size because of all these people that have come to know Jesus. He is now held in extremely high esteem in his community. Um, his church has become the go-to place for anybody in need. And, and why is that? Well, everybody knows. You go over there, those people, they love you over there unconditionally. But it's also become the go-to place for all of these adults I love this. These adults that are coming to the church, they're coming to the pastor, and they're saying, you know, I don't know what happened to my kid who's in your program, but they've changed. And I don't know what it is that you have, but I know I desperately need it too. What must I do to be saved? Cool? It's so cool. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So they've sent along a, a video we're going to show at this time. Sharon, it's about two and a half hours long. So I hope you're really comfy. It's about three and a half minutes, okay? And then, then, we'll, then we'll continue. I am Jennifer Gitiri, and I'm from Kenya. Growing up with a single parent in the slum was very, very difficult for me really living hand to mouth because if my mom went to look for employment or even wash other people's clothes, if she came in the evening with a dollar, that's what we would use to buy a meal and eat at that particular time. If we wake up tomorrow, there's nothing to eat, then we'd take a glass of water and run to school. But Compassion I opened a project at a church near our home. And for the first time as a young girl, I saw hope. Compassion provided for everything. They gave me books. When I was sick, Compassion would pay for my medical care. And I'm also thankful to my sponsor who was very, very encouraging. You know, just writing letters of encouragement, telling me that you can make it, you can do it. Your past should not determine your future. I believe my sponsors were God sent. When we wrote to Jennifer, it was important to let her know that we really cared about her. I just said what a mother would say, you know, we're so proud of you. We're so proud that your grade card is good and that you've done such a good job. I remember vividly our neighbor's child was raped. The child was 10 years and these were the kind of things that I saw growing up that really made me decide to be a lawyer, someone who could speak for the rights of those who cannot speak for themselves. The beginning of this year, I joined the Kenya School of Law so that now I can be admitted into the bar and become an advocate in the High Court of Kenya. This summer, I went to the United States of America to, to be an advocate. I shared passionately about my story and how my sponsors had made a difference in my life, and they were brought on stage. Here they are. It was life-changing just to, to see those two people who'd sacrificed their resources, who used to pray for me, who used to encourage me. So for, for me to see these two people was, was just amazing. Compassion gave us the opportunity to reach halfway around the world to rescue one little girl from whatever the future might have had in store for her. 
it makes me cry all the time when I think of how far God has brought me, you know, from the ditches of poverty to this. Today I am here as proof that indeed compassion releases children from poverty in Jesus' name. My children will never live in poverty. My children will know the word of God. And when I look at the package and the compassion book, my heart is broken because 17 years ago, my faith was in that packet. Wow, wow, wow. Can I give you a very quick update on Jennifer? Since the video was made, not only is she a full-blown lawyer, she is an advocate in the High Court of Kenya. She, she's finished two master's degrees. She's working on her doctorate. And she, are you with me? And she's, she's in a position of significant influence with the government of Kenya. Does that sound like something maybe God has had his hand in? That one line, well, so many in that video that just sort of... Um, but where she talks about when she was a little girl, this was this reality, day after day after day. If, if mommy brought home a dollar that day, we would eat on that particular day. If not, we'd get in up in the morning, have a glass of water, and run to school. That little girl is being used by God to influence a nation in Jesus' name. <sighs> yeah. I don't know if you remember uh, Mother Teresa, but one of her favorite quotes, she said, if you can't feed 100 kids, feed one. And she was speaking to human nature. She was speaking to me because I relate to this. Sometimes we can get so overwhelmed with the size of a need. Yeah. And he just looks so huge. And I'm just thinking, well, I'm just one person. When it, this huge, huge need. I mean, they're talking about how many thousand children perish every day, like yesterday, not last year, yesterday, from malnutrition and preventable diseases and all that kind of stuff. This is just me. But when I focus on that, those very sobering statistics, and they are true, but when I focus on that, I tend to freeze up. I personally believe it's much more healthy for us to look at what is God doing? What is God doing? Because equally as true as the very sobering statistics is that in this sanctuary at this very moment, I know a number of you are being instrumental in seeing lives completely transformed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know this is true because you're already sponsoring kids. So I, I really do believe a big part of the reason I'm here today is to say thank you. Bless you, bless you, bless you. You are having an enormous impact. It's not just a picture on the fridge. Well done, well done. You rock. I worked it out. I'm not great at math, but I worked it out. It's $41 a month, so that works out to $1.36 a day to sponsor a child, see their life completely transformed, probably for eternity, if it's through this ministry of compassion. Buck 36 a day. What's a medium double-double from Tim's? Tim Hortons? Most parts of the country is about $1.70. Think about that. $1.70 for my coffee. $1.36 to sponsor this child, you know? No hope, no future like Jennifer was. Now they're sponsored. They truly are thriving, receiving all they need and learning of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ for them. The word of God is going in and it is not returning void. Thank you, Lord. Buck thirty-six a day, dollar seventy for my. Actually, Starbucks is infinitely more. Than that, but, but, but worth it. Just my opinion. Um, but here's here's a thought. Here's a thought. If you regularly buy your coffee from Starbucks, you should consider sponsoring a village. 
Okay, I gotta move on. I gotta move on. <laughs> Can you tell I really like, like coffee? Um, my wife Sandy and I, uh, I need to cut to the chase because I, I want to shorten this up, but we had been sponsoring children for years. I don't even know how long, a long, long, long time. I'd never even thought, I'm not normally on the, the accountant channel. My wife is, which is probably a really good thing, but I'm, I'm, I don't usually think that way. We, at the time, we were sponsoring four kids, okay? I was just really grateful that we could, yeah? We have a good father. But I'd never even thought to ask this before. This is a couple of years ago. We went to get our taxes done. We have a wonderful accountant lady in Cambridge, Ontario, and we, we went to, to get our taxes done, and I just asked her, I said, what would be the difference in my tax refund if we weren't sponsoring these four kids? I did because I never knew. As it turns out, for me, and I don't know if it's different for some other people, you know, but for me, I'm not actually spending $1.36 per day for each of these kids that I've been sponsoring for years and years and years. It's more like 70 cents. 70 cents. I pay 51%, I get 49% back. Isn't that wild? I never knew. <laughs> for me to sponsor two kids costs about the same as I thought I'd been spending to sponsor one all this time. There's a word from the Lord for, for somebody. Yeah? And right in, the, right in the accountant's office, I just blurted it right out. I said, oh my goodness, we got to sponsor some more kids. And we did. We got a few more. And thank you, Lord. Thank you so much that we could do that. Um, and you know, one of them that we, after that point, one of the ones we sponsored was Jordani. This whole family have come to know Jesus. Yay. But right out of the gate, as soon as we left the accountant's office, we, we sponsored this little guy. I don't have time to tell you stories. But a guy in, in Colombia named um, Mateo. Wonderful little fellow. That, that, that was a couple years ago that was taken. He just turned 11. Uh, that, he's nine there. Um, and I'll just say this. Mateo has come to know Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you this, too. The Lord's hand is all over this little guy. He regularly prays for me. This is an 11-year-old Colombian boy who regularly prays for me. Isn't that cool? And my ministry. So by extension, he's praying for you today. Cool. Sandy and I have uh, four kids of our own. And they're older. Three of them are married already. And I'm, I'm going to be a grandpa. Woohoo! Well, thank you. Yeah. I, I don't know when, but I figure it's bound to happen eventually. Okay. You've been so patient. I'm just making sure you're still all awake. Uh, I've been telling that joke way too many years. Sandy and I have six grandkids now. The six was born two weeks ago. Remember I said I'm a wealthy man? True story. And some of you... Uh, we'll know what I'm talking about when I tell you that we also have five more that are, are in heaven ahead of us that we will meet uh, for real. Um, but we really will meet them. They're with the Lord right now. But we have six with us now. And our kids, and I want you to hear this because I'm so proud of them, but our kids and their spouses, at last count, they were up to eight more children that they're sponsoring. Isn't that neat? These are young, you know, young, young people starting, young families. If you were to ask my kids... Why do you do that? You know, why do you sponsor? They'd, they'd answer the same way I would. They'd say, why would I not? Seriously? Why would I not? It's such a little thing, and yet it so represents the heart of my Lord and Savior, Jesus, the Anointed One. See, we know we've been blessed by God. We just don't believe that we've only been blessed just to keep amassing more and more stuff. 
right? So that we can be a blessing to others and so glorify our Father in heaven. Amen, amen, amen. I'm almost done. I wanted to, to mention a, 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 a st statistic. I don't have a lot of them, but this one I was really shocked by because I never knew this the whole time that I was pastoring, but it's true. There are more than 2,000 references in the Old and New Testament. Did you know this? More than 2,000 references to God's heart for the poor and justice issues. It's true. And the reason I mention that is because I've had so many wonderful people come up to me after events, concerts, or church services all over Canada, and they'll say, Jay, you know what? I need to pray about this. I need to pray about sponsoring a child. You know what my response to that is? Wonderful. Because most things, it's a really good idea to take it to the Lord, yeah? Unless I'm being goofy. I think goofy is a theological term. Some of you know where I'm going with this, right? I don't want to be misunderstood. There are a lot of really good reasons to pray about this. For Sandy and me, lately, of, of, of the last number of years, it's usually, how many more this year, Lord? But if by that, you know, I need to pray about sponsoring a child. If by that I'm saying, I need to ask God if it's his will for me to take a tiny part of my resources to help minister to the poor and tell them about Jesus. What do I think he's going to say? Yeah, that's a little goofy. Borderline, right? Especially when he's already given his opinion more than 2,000 times. Right? And I would add to that, and this is just me, but I can't remember ever in my entire life, not even once, crying out to God and saying, Oh, Lord, oh, God, is it your will for me to buy this cup of coffee as I go through the drive-thru today? not trying to be mean, friends. Actually, I, I, I really, I want to bless you. I don't want to beat up on anybody. I'm just trying to give perspective. In my case, even, even from Tim Hortons, <laughs> that cup of coffee costs considerably more than twice what it would cost me to sponsor a child for today. Yet I, it would never enter my mind that, I, well, I need to pray about the coffee. Just saying. Okay, so listen, if you don't sponsor kids yet, that's okay. And I mean it. God bless you. But you can take care of that today. I don't believe it's a coincidence that we're here. We've just seen the Lord do too many wonderful things through this. Um, so I would encourage you, at the close of the service, please don't run off. Go to the tables and choose your child. And they'll sign you up. They've made it so easy. You don't even need to have any money with you today. Um, they do want me to encourage that we not put it off. So there's this guitar guy has some CDs back there. If you can, if you can start a sponsorship right away, this is just to encourage that we don't delay it, would you take a CD? And that's just to say thank you. If you sponsor 10 kids, take 10 CDs. And I'm serious, and you would not be the first person to do that. Um, if you already sponsor kids, again, thank you, thank you, thank you. It would be extremely difficult for me to overstate the impact you're having. It really is that big a deal. But here's the challenge. Would you consider another one? Or more if you can, you know, but at least take home a kid you didn't come with today. <laughs> Surprise your friends. You folks have been wonderful. Um, my dear friend, who actually is an employee of Compassion Canada, John Vort's going to come up and just, he's, he's promised, he's 60 seconds. So start throwing things at him after 59 seconds. No, he's, he wants to let you know what's been going because you guys have a, a, an extra special heart for Nicaragua, or if you're a local, Nicaragua. And he's going to come up and just share a little bit about that. But um, thank you so much for the opportunity to share. God bless you folks, and hope to see you at the tables after the service. Thank you.
Thank you, Jay. I was, I've been excited about sharing him with you guys for a long time, and I'm, I'm, it's just been great. Thank you. Uh, really quick update. Um, the child survival program that you guys support through this church, church number 107, is well on its way. Uh, we managed to find nine children that are waiting for sponsorships from that church, and seven of them are one years old that have just graduated from the child survival program to the sponsorship program. And that's because you guys get first crack at any of the kids that come out of that program because it's yours. Um, I do also want to really quickly say, uh, I know you all understand that Nicaragua is having some major problems, lots of violence. Um, Nobody is allowed in the country for visiting. The good news is it's starting to settle down and Compassion has started allowing individual families, you know, one or two people at a time because you're not quite so conspicuous. Um, but we're not quite there where we can have a church group. I know your mission, your leadership team is, is thinking about having a, a church trip where you can actually go and visit like Jay did and I've done with many of my children to actually go see, a, a, see them in person. Um, so I believe in my heart that God is making this happen soon um, and we'll be able to get to Nicaragua. So like Jay said, please, please come to the table. Uh, but remember those nine from your church. There's others from all around the world as well. Thank you for allowing us here this morning and sharing again. Uh, thank you so much for your, your support in the child survival and, and all the t- children that you sponsor. Thank you. God bless you. This live recording is made possible by the generous donation and support of our subscribers. If you would like to join the growing community of seekers and believers who support MCC podcasts, just go to our website, www.millervillechurch.org, and you can make your online donation anytime. If you have questions, suggestions, and feedback you would like to share with us, please use our email service at infomillervillechurch.org.